Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the penultimate episode of season one of House of the Dragon. This is Raven On, the original and the best. That's right, I'm going to keep saying it until it's true. Game of Thrones universe inspired podcast recap analytical thingy. This was an episode, the Green Council, episode nine. Oh, I'm Natalie Bohensky, by the way, I should probably explain that. And with me, as always, is a man who, after this episode, has really got some hot new ideas on how he's going to make King Charles's coronation next year extra special. It's Stuart Late. Hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. Yes, I mean, we can only dream that at his coronation, like a dragon bursts up through the floor, right? St. George is the patron saint of England. That's true. Not not Britain, but England. And he famously defeated a dragon. Indeed he so did. Why not bring it all full circle? It's only then- fair to ask the English monarch to defeat a dragon before he can be properly crowned king. I think Australians would be more on board with staying with a monarchy if that meant, you know, reasonably regular dragon slaying. You know what? I, I was actually, speaking of King Charles, I was thinking... As I was watching this episode and I was watching this coronation, I was like, feels weird that they they beat him to the punch. I don't know. I don't know why. Like, he wasn't in competition, but like, you know, we're, we're going to see a real coronation sometime in the near future. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I assume it won't have a dragon in it. I mean, apart from on the some of the heraldry, I imagine. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it was it was interesting seeing it coronation because I've, I've read something, again, in my loose consumption of the news that seems to be how I take in the news these days. There was something about he might have a stripped back coronation because of, you know, Britain. I think that might be wise. I think it would be wise given the <laughs> crazy basket case that Britain you know. seems to be in. If you're a listener to this podcast and you are in the most excellent United Kingdom, countries that I love dearly as as wonderful places to go with wonderful people and yet seem to be governed by a pack of absolute clowns. Like, it's crazy. And in that in that respect, they are very similar to the people of Westeros. Well, that's true. And thank you for um, uh, not allowing me to tangent too quickly. <laughs> <laughs> you... that, wasn't, that wasn't meant to be a tangent killer. No, 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 no. It's good. Because I just want to say, if you are in Britain, like, please call in. Let us know what it's like in your weird-ass country right now. Because it seems very strange. It seems like, you know, we had the Morrison government here in in Australia up until, you know, this year, which had a lot of weird, you know, leaving aside the political side of things, like do you agree in this style of government or that, just weird people, weird portfolio, weird weird decision-making. Yeah, lots of of very strange decisions. And also, like, Australia very famously had, like, a lot of prime ministers in short succession. Yes. um, For which the UK, somewhat hubristically in hindsight, uh, gave us a lot of shit for. Yes. Um, And then, uh, well, who's laughing now, guys? That's all I can say. Well, Truss has been in for maybe a month and a half, and I'm already reading... And she's in serious danger of being enrolled. Yeah, so... I think it would be very wise for King Charles, which is still such a weird thing to say. King Charles the Third, crazy, third, crazy has times. Very simple coronation. I suggest back room of a pub. You get the, <laughs> get the Archbishop of Canterbury in there. Throw up a couple of webcams. Get you know key members. Yeah, live stream it. Yeah, exactly. Don't get Prince Andrew. Leave him at home. Just keep him out of it. Keep him well away from everything. And get, you know, some nice, regular British people from a pub 
to come in and sit basically like, you know, in Ted Lasso when they go to the pub. You just want that. Charles, yeah. just do that. Just go to the pub, get crowned, right, put the crown on, put the ermine cloak on, darts game. That mm. will see you a lot more to the people of your country. Absolutely, yeah. And some big Westminster Abbey-style shenanigans. <laughs> but Stu. If, if only he had a dragon pet. Let's get to the dragon because I feel that from your Twitter stream today. Uh, oh, Yes. As listeners know, I always go and check Stu's tweets. If we're watching an episode of something like this, I go and check Stu's tweets. You've got to check the tweets. He's always got a hot take. Somehow we may disagree on this conclusion <laughs> uh, to this episode. I, I have thoughts about this, Natalie. I, I have genuine thoughts. And maybe we can maybe we can get straight into it because... Um... Let's just start by saying everything up to coronation had yep. general opinion. Oh. Amazing, like incredible, incredible, tense, well acted, great so, stuff, per- so, perfect, perfect, intriguing goodness, wonderful. Yeah. And there was a really fun, uh, I've called it in my recap, first annual father daughter flea bottom competitive chase. Event. <laughs> yes. And it's it's when Otto and Alison are both sending out people to try and find Egon, and they're just running around the town trying to find Egon, and it's like you know Cannonball Run or something. Well, it's, it's like it's like the the, the greatest race, uh, yes. Westeros. Yes, the amazing race, Westeros. The, the amazing race, Westeros. Yeah. <laughs> and that was so. It was wonderful, but it was so oddly, um, you know, tense drama. And then quickly go to this brothel. Quickly, go to this pit where children fight each other with sharpened teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, actually, I, I that, that seemed so crazy. And yet I, I, I feel like that the, the idea of the, the show sort of highlighting that there's a pit where children have to fight each other is maybe a, comment, a broader commentary on what's happening more broadly in the story. I don't know, maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I have written in my recap that, you know, I know I was excited about the children fighting uh, on Driftmark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were. You, you, you must have been loving this. Exciting. But, that, you know, they're the gilded sons of plenty. They, they should have their noses shoved in the dirt for a while. That's you're true. Thinking about poor orphan kids in Flea Bottom having their teeth filed down, like, <laughs> you know, like they're goths who want to be more like vampires. You know, people who do that, that body modification, whatever, and people get their teeth filed. Like people do. Yes, that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Why. Like lizard men. There's no coming back from that. I mean, I guess you could always get veneers and stuff, but there's no. You're making. I feel like there's very few uh, like dental veneer places uh, that you get in Flea Bottom. Well, that's right. I mean, I'm putting aside. Flea bottom, but like even in the modern day, it would be hard to come back from that. Unless, unless, oh no, they would have their adult teeth by then, wouldn't they? Maybe, because I was thinking if they still had their baby teeth, you could sharpen the baby teeth. Oh, Jesus. And then if they lost them, <laughs> you know, they could go on to have productive lives with their adult teeth. <laughs> so overall, good. Overall good. My, my, my hot take, my, my, my general hot take on this episode, and, yeah. and you feel differently, I think, but we'll see. Explain uh, what happens, Stu. Explain what happens to the good people. Well, I, I assume they've seen it. I, I really hope they do. But if you haven't, please go watch the episode. But as, as you may remember from, from this episode of Hot D, episode nine, The Green Council, uh, oh, yeah. it ends with this climactic coronation of, of Egon, II for, uh, second, Egon II of his name. Triumph. The, the, the Hightowers have got everything they wanted. And then, boom, uh, Rhaenys emerges, like blasts up from under the the floor of the dragon pit riding Melis the red queen herself uh, her 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 dragon and she faces off uh, k- killing many many people i would just like to point out 
Did she come from up underneath? Is yes, that- yes. Because that, that was the dragon pit. So she, she is, she's gone downstairs where all the dragons are kept and grabbed Melee's. Why are the dragons kept underneath the sept? It's not the sept. It's the dragon pit. They, they held it in the dragon pit because it's bigger. They don't, they don't say that. I know. I was confused as well for a second because I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I wonder what's going on here. But that is the dragon pit. We've seen it before. That explains um, why they can fly yeah. through the doors because they're big enough for dragons. Yes, exactly. The, the doors are big enough for the dragons to get through. And, and the oh, reason... Oh, I'm going to have to go and re-edit my recap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. It definitely is the dragon pit that they are in. And so Melis and, and several other dragons are downstairs. One of the questions I had was, how did she get there so quickly? How did she get out, leave the sept, go to the dragon pit, get the well, dragon, get into her fancy flying armor? I was going to say, I still have that those questions because it wasn't that long and she's she's managed to find, I mean, does she keep a spare set downstairs? Like, where did that armor come from? Is it first tied of all? on? Like, you know, when you ride a bike and you sort of clip your helmet or maybe yeah. a backpack with a lock? Yes, and she's exactly. Got one of those locks with a with a code. And the code yeah. is a word, and it's Dracarys. Sure, yeah, maybe maybe that was it. After you know, do the D flick, 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 R flick. Oh damn, they won't let me do a second A. <laughs> okay, everyone, it's Dracarys with an E, just because they wouldn't let me do two A's. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, <laughs> no, I, I just felt I felt like I really want to get into that. I really want to get into it. I, I feel like I feel like it was it was an action beat for no good reason, and and if they wanted an action beat, there were other ways to do it. Okay, I'm going to throw something back at you here. Yeah. I'm keen to hear your other action beat suggestions. I'm keen to hear them. Yes. So I put it to you that they had a dragon burst through the floor of this place. Indeed. Stomp a whole bunch of fucking people to death. Sure. And look really fucking badass. Yeah. So I mean, don't get me wrong, it ruled. Like, I mean, <laughs> it was it was a very, like, fun moment. Um, and I, I realize this is me. This is me arguing against having an awesome dragon burst up through the floor and, and roar and shit. Like that's should be very much me. Uh, but <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know. We are complex. We contain multitudes. You can love something and also see the potential for a better way. Exactly. I just feel like I feel like the show has done so much good work to recontextualize uh, things that happen in the books and 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 make them work for the show in a way that satisfies both book readers and non-book readers alike. And I feel like this is the first time where they've done something that I'm like, I don't know about this for a couple of reasons. But basically, Rainis in that in that moment, in that instant, has the opportunity to just end the war at a stroke. Every single one of the people on that on that dais is a traitor and could die immediately and she could kill them. She chooses not to. And there are very good reasons for why she doesn't immediately burn them all with dragon fire. But again, as I, as I like to point out with these things, this didn't actually happen. Someone made it up and wrote it down. So she could do anything and, and anything could have led up to this moment. So they've, they've engineered this moment where Rhaenys stares down the green sort of power structure and decides not to do anything about it and and leaves and and for various good in in universe reasons i just feel like it really is going to undermine her character going forward that she could have stopped all this like before it got started do you know what i mean that's my big issue with the whole thing but maybe she didn't want to kill a whole bunch of people absolutely like well well, first of all i will say she has just killed dozens if not hundreds of people (laughs) 
dozens, if not hundreds. There, so many people died when that dragon burst through the floor. They were they were instantly crushed. <laughs> You're so right. I um, do not care about the small folk. I am a horrible person. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean. And and we and that it's such a weird thing because earlier in this very episode, the episode is going out of its way to to talk about how the people are the ones who have the real power and they are the ones who put you on the throne. Yes. And then the episode seems deeply unconcerned with the fact that Rainis has just murdered, murdered dozens, if not hundreds of people at a stroke. But isn't that reflection because it's Masaria who says that the people, you only, yes. you can only take the power the people let you or, or whatever her quote was. But the thing is, is that they have dragons. Exactly they, right. It's yes. like, the people power can people power all at once, but dragons are a thing. Uh, Absolutely. And, and the, 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 the struggle between dragons and people will come up again and again over the, over the, the coming episodes, I, I, I think. Like, like that, that's definitely a theme that runs through the book, and I feel like it is a theme that runs through the show already and, and definitely will come into play you know, again and again. Like how, how powerful are dragons really? how powerful are people in the face of dragons, all that sort of thing. But I think they, they went out of their way because in, in the books, Rhaenys is not involved in the coronation at all. Like she's off on ah, Driftmark. She's so not that- involved at all. So they, they've gone out of their way to involve Rhaenys in this, that they've made a choice. They've decided to do this. And that's that's what really, if this was, you know, somehow adapting something that happened in the books, I would I would maybe be less critical of it. But it just feels to me like, They've tried to engineer a situation where there's this understanding between Rhaenys and Alicent because they have they have that conversation earlier in the in the episode. I'd love to talk about that specifically mm-hmm. in more detail in a, in a bit. But it just feels like they've gone out of their way to engineer this scenario that I just think doesn't actually it doesn't actually build Rhaenys up. It actually like kind of undermines her quite a bit. Like she has the opportunity to end a re- what 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 is effectively a treasonous rebellion then and there and she doesn't she leaves I, I think it would it would have been so much better if even though like she's she's a woman in her 50s like she is still a formidable like she's a dragon rider and a warrior like she yeah. she would be a formidable opponent like like you could have had like an action beat of her like sneaking past the guards and maybe she has to fight a couple to to get to 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 Melis. and then she gets on the on the on the dragon but like you know people are trying to prevent her from leaving and all that sort of thing and so she has to sort of fight her way out and she just gets out like you know because even though she's on a dragon and Melis is is a is a formidable dragon you know it's still people versus dragons like you know especially in inside in the dragon pit That's you know what- she has to really fight her way out and and make her escape you know and, and that could be the the really kick ass action beat that she gets away, like the Greens have their triumph, but she gets away and then she takes the dragon with her. And so that that is a big victory for the Blacks as well. Yeah, true. She Instead, gets- they have this weird face-off where Rainis basically goes, uh, I, cu- I could kill every single one of you, but I'm not going to because we had a conversation just now. Like it just, it just feels like, you know, with everything that I know is coming... <laughs> And and that you know you can probably imagine like like there's a war that's going to happen, and she could have stopped it right then and there, and she didn't. And I I don't know I don't know whether that undermines her character or not, but it just rang, it was it rang weirdly sour to me. So I did get confused, and one of the reasons maybe I got confused about the dragon pits is because when she's first rescued by Eric or Eric, one of the two Ricks, uh, um, specific specifically Eric. Eric, I do want to talk about them because they're yes. my 
favorites. I love them. Uh, <laughs> and he, she says, I can't leave without Maylise. Take me to the dragon pits. And he says, no, we can't go there because they'll be expecting you. You won't be able to get past the guards. Hmm. Now, surely. Yes. And, and then, and then they confuse it all by. By going to the dragon. Going to the dragon pit. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it, well, it's, it's, it's a bit confusing. Up. They get swept up in the crowd. Yes. They, yeah. they loses her and she gets swept along and they're just, and I think Alison says a line uh, to Otto where, where we'll have, everyone must witness his ascent. So we have to have the coronation or the anointing yeah. at dawn tomorrow. How so it's they- a, it's a renter crowd that they, they round up as many people as they can find and cram them into the dragon pit so that there's an audience. So there's an audience. Yes. It's a big fun event. Uh, happy days. Egg, even Egon seems to get a bit transfixed by it and starts to think, hey, maybe I could be king. Yeah, he kind of gets a bit high in his own supply. That's right. A man who's always like, no one loves me, no one loves me. Everyone then starts yelling, egg on the king. And he's like, wait a second, wait a second. This feels uh, good. So I, yeah, I think you're right. They could have had her escape, but then how could they have the dragon escape without going through the uh, the dragon pit? Well, exactly, exactly. That's That's one of the big sort of issues with it, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wouldn't be as satisfying to have her flying off and then looking at the distance, and you know. But then, do do off. you need it at all? Like, I mean, like, do you need that? Do you need that moment at all? Does there need to be like a weird dragon confrontation at that point? Like, surely the tension is coming from the fact that the Greens are ascendant. Like they've 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 won essentially, <sighs> you know. And and to and to trust that that is enough of a cliffhanger without having to artificially manufacture a big sort of action moment with the dragon. All I can really counter with Stu is that it was a really badass dragon bit. I mean, it was. Like, don't get me wrong, it was. And, um, and this looks amazing. Like, oh, love, we haven't really had a good look at her yet and she's great. Yeah. And just the, you know, had the turning circle of like a small European country. Um, <laughs> well, she's a big dragon. It was it was great. And and it was it was good because the others all have dragons as well. All the Targaryen kids, Aegon and I Yeah, know, yeah, absolutely. They have dragons, but without their own dragons, there was sort of nothing, nothing there to. That's it, exactly. Yeah, to to stop them. Um, there was actually a moment where I thought she might, like, bend the knee. There was just a moment where she's staring at Alison, and Alison has moved to defend Aegon, like as if that's going to help. But she's standing in front of Aegon, looking up at Rhaenys, and Rhaenys is looking down at her, and she sort of bends. Down, like I think the dragon screams at them and they get some nice dragon breath and then mm. she, the dragon kind of dips its shoulder. I thought she was going to like either bow or step down because Alison had asked her to join their side so that they had an equal number of dragons. Yes. Uh, I mean, that would have been hilarious given that she has just, again, like killed dozens if not hundreds of people and like completely interrupted the ceremony. And then she's like, oh, sorry, sorry. I just, I just wanted to say I'm with you guys. Well, she wouldn't <laughs> know the timing of it, you know. It sure, was, yeah. She wouldn't necessarily know that if she's crunching up through a floor. No, that's true. Floor. Uh, but it could be the case of, yes, this is how impressive I am and I will join your side. Uh, but, it, again, it's probably never going to happen because her daughters or her granddaughters are marrying Rhaenyra's sons exactly like like she's very firmly team black like like even even though she has like this animosity with Rhaenyra like she she is absolutely on on the blacks side yeah. 
um, and and always will and always will be basically like like they they play they play it as if as if there's a bit of ambiguity to it in this episode, but there really isn't. Like there's no way that she can sort well, of comfortably, um, you know, sw- switch allegiances. It's it's not it's not really available to her. Certainly not in that moment. Yes, maybe it's just because Game of Thrones typically would have an episode nine surprise. You know, something big. But again, like you know, like okay, great, but you don't have to do that. I mean, the episode nine surprise is that the the Greens take the crown. Like, isn't that enough? No, isn't isn't really, that? It's not really a surprise, Stu. I mean, yeah. okay, <laughs> sure, sure. I know. Like, I mean, no. <laughs> I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I I like I like the dragon stuff. It's just like I I just the the way it sort of played out was just bizarre. I take I take your points that it 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 creates. Some, I think they went. Where can we have a cool dragon bit? Yes, exactly. Well, they, they literally did. I mean, if you watch the the making of this episode, the little featurette that they've already sort of put out, that they literally say we wanted a dragon bit in this episode, and so we wrote one. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I that, think, it's as simple as that. Well, I think you would have to you'd have to work out which character conceivably could be there to ride a dragon and work back from yes. that. Because this is the thing: Viserys died. The night after that big dinner. So they had that big dinner last episode, the big yes. party. And then uh, Viserys went to, they had the, the big fight and then Rhaenyra told Alicent she was going to go back to Dragonstone. And then that night, I mean, maybe a couple of days passed, maybe, but it's not really shown. But Rhaenyra said that she was going to get the kids home and then she'll come back on Dragonback. So, like, but... But you would think that if it was a few days, she might have come back already. So that it needs to sort of happen quite quickly after Rhaenyra has left. So another solution could have been Rhaenyra coming back on Dragonback, going, what's going on? I'm here. But then that would present the problem of she would just flame them. She wouldn't Exactly, have, yes. She yeah. wouldn't have Rhaenyra's <laughs> restraint. But why had Rhaenyra, why had Rhaenys stayed in the capital when Rhaenyra had gone home? Like Rainies was still, they decided the Driftmark thing. Rainies didn't go to the dinner. She didn't see the fight, but she was no, still, yeah. She was still in the Red Keep, chilling out for another couple of days. Uh, why didn't she? I'm Un- unclear. Yeah. So there's there's a there's because a this of, needed to happen. Because this needed to happen. Yeah. So it's not. I take your point. It's not the clearest. It's not the most elegant solution. No, and, and it, it's a rare misstep because, like I like I said, like this this show has been actually really good and really smart about adapting the the source material, which itself is pretty patchy, like and is more of a history book than a, than a, a story. And and they've sort of filled in a lot of the gaps, and they've they've streamlined where they can, and they've done some really clever stuff about adapting it in a way that surprises both book readers and non book readers. And this one. I mean, it surprised me when it happened. I was like, oh, God, Jesus, okay, all right, this is happening. Um, but then the what it chose to do with that moment was really weird. It was just really strange, and I think it's going to ring really sour in the in the next, like, few episodes. I, I just well, think... We have one know. left, and I, I have a bit of a prediction based on mm. that event. So this was... There was no Rhaenyra, there was no Black, there was no Damon, there was none of that that side this was all the greens doing their thing and then we had one moment of ascendancy for the blacks at the very end so i'm wondering if next week will be a switcheroo where uh-huh. we see all the blacks 
Rainice maybe arriving. That's might be how it starts. She arrives and goes, Hey everyone, shit's gone down. Yeah. The saddle up. Mm-hmm. And work at it out of plan of attack. Maybe there's an initial conflict, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And maybe at the end there's some, you know, one of the dragons gets taken out by uh, you know, Aemond or um or even Egon fighting on, on Dragonback. Now, I know you've read ahead, so you might have <laughs> I'm I, I, <laughs> out there who are like me i'm trying to say maybe that's how they'll reverse it whether it's something that's in the book that you know of or maybe they'll rejig it a different way like they did with this one so that we had an all green episode with a big boost of black at the end and next week we'll have an all black episode with a big boost of green so when we come in series everyone's like oh shit both sides have taken damage both sides of you know evenly Mm. sure yeah no i i think that's a that's an interest that's a really um interesting observation and i think i mean there's there's tra- there's already a trailer out there for the series finale which i think I that. <laughs> confirms confirms a lot of that stuff i guess like, oh, like okay. i think that i, I you, you're that's a pretty good that's a pretty good reading actually i, I the, swear the, i haven't i swear no, i haven't no, totally the preview <laughs> the one thing i would i did want to know um eve eve best has actually given who plays uh Rainies, has given an interview with um with vulture about this episode and i really wanted to just quickly read from it um because she gives an explanation of what like is going on in that scene. Um, and I think it's really interesting. Like it's, it's, it's a, like, again, I don't agree with it, but I think it's interesting hearing from the, from the actress herself, basically that the, the article asks her, you know, so why didn't Rainis just torch the Royal family and the whole green crew? Right. And she says she makes the choice not to destroy. It's why she would have made such a great leader. She had in that moment, all the power. Yet she has respect for Alicent as a woman and a mother. They understand being in the grip of other people who might torch them. They know the only right choice is not to go there. Furthermore, it's the intelligent choice on her part not to torch a whole bunch of innocent people in the room. What's to be gained? In the end, it's not her battle. Again, I would point out she's killed dozens, if not hundreds of people. But <laughs> maybe that's she neither just, here nor there. Maybe she just sent them flinging, you know. Maybe they just had a bit of a woo. Just, just a couple of, a couple of bruised, bruised knees and, and scraped oh, elbows. Yeah, yeah. They um, have moon boots like I do now. Yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah, just a couple of a couple of Westerosi moon boots. Um, she goes on to say, um, the escape she makes on the dragon is something that's been brewing since that very moment she was passed over wrongly for the crown. It's this yearning to just get the hell out and away from the whole ruddy lot of things. When she bursts out of that arena, she's internally saying, fuck you all. It's more about that than a need for revenge or destruction that men might have jumped to. She's breaking her own glass ceiling. <laughs> so there you are. I mean, that, that's that's the that's the rationale behind it, I guess. I don't know. Maybe because I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a man. I I don't necessarily see the wisdom in that. But but I I definitely understand it from a character point of view. I understand that the the character in that moment is having a moment of connection with Alicent. Well, and remember- I just think it, it it makes her seem really stupid, and it's going to it's going to come back to haunt her that it she did- didn't just end things right there. They did have a moment together, though, when she was, you know, asking her to join. Uh, Alison was asking. They did, in, in, which was a great scene, and I and loved it. She talked about you should have been queen. You yep. have the better temperament. You have the better ability. Viserys would have just had a happy life as a country gent with his models and his train sets and his, you know, hmm. type, and uh, he would have had a fine life. But here we are, and I'm I'm begging you to take me seriously or. What was it she said? I'm forgetting now. But, yeah, they had this lovely scene where, oh, no, and Rainey says to her, you're not as dumb as I thought you were, basically. I, I've, I've not given you enough credit. You mm. seem to have a head on your shoulders. And she says to her, 
you're in this, which was my favorite quote of the entire episode with Rainice telling Alison, uh, you are still in the service of men. Yeah. Yeah. You incredible. You, 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 your father, your husband, now your son, you don't want to be free. You just want to make a prison in a window in your own prison cell. Mm. And it was like, Mwah. yeah. Beautiful, wow. beautiful, beautiful writing, like like a perfect, like if that was the reason that they had kept Rainis around to have that confrontation with Alison and basically call her on her own bullshit, um, yeah. that would have been worth it. And she like, says, haven't you incredible. thought about yourself on the Iron Throne? Yeah. Well, that's, that's, um, that's impossible because Alison wouldn't have a claim now that there are so many better claimants around. Uh, but then I guess Cersei didn't. Well, she's speaking. She's speaking metaphorically. Like you know, why why shouldn't you be considered as as the the yeah, queen? True, like you know, true, true, true. But it's it's more that case of all you're doing is trying to all the men around you are just using you. What do you want? Yeah. Um, and Alison still hasn't really progressed much. But uh, by the end of the episode, but she has had a talk with her father where she said, "No, you've just used me this whole time, and I see that now." but this is how mm. it's going to be. So I think because, yeah, I don't know if Rini's her, like, because Alison was trying in this episode. You know what? We should get to our minute challenge because this is <laughs> straight. <laughs> we're doing, and it's your turn to go first. So you go first and let's see if these things come up. Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the very first item on my list was the Red Queen. I wanted to sort of talk about all this, so we, we've definitely done that. that um, would- and then and then the second item on my list was Rainis tells Alison uh, not to not to get you know that, that she's involved in the patriarchy like you know yeah. that, that's that's exactly what she's doing yeah. that scene was so it's so well judged and well balanced that it just frustrates me that then they go on to do that scene at the end and I'm like uh, didn't didn't need to do that and that they 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 set that up in the in that scene between the two of them where they have that moment of connection where 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 Rainus is you know, calling Alison on her bullshit, but she's like, "Oh, actually, like you, you've got a bit more steel to you than I thought you did." Mm. You know, like like you're you're willing to to play the game and 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 do this, but but you need to, un- you know, she she's basically saying to her to stop fooling herself. Like you're not doing some noble, wonderful thing. Like you're putting your son on the Iron Throne. Like you need to own that. If that's what you're going to do, like that's that's what you need to go in on. Yeah, you know, and you I- need to stop hiding behind this piety and this this self belief that you're a a virtuous person like well, that's, you're... that's that's what uh, she says to her too because Alison says oh we you know we don't rule but we can guide the men and we can guide them yes you know we can guide them with with generosity and charity and sense and compassion and we can be their calming influence <laughs> I yeah. think Rainus's point is how's that working out for you yeah, how's, how's that going <laughs> is it you're going well because we see at the start I mean we I, I didn't write this on my list but we see at the start um, when the, the the Green Council meets they've all been planning for this without Alison realizing it. Like Alison has been sort of softly planning for it herself, but she sort of realizes with dawning horror that, oh, they've all just, this was going to happen whether I wanted it to or not. Yeah. They've got more than plans. Yeah. They they are ready to go. (laughs) They've got charts. They've got pie charts. (laughs) They've got like one of those, um, they've got a Gantt chart, you know, project management style. Sure. Yeah. They've got, they've got a vision board. They've got a vision board. <laughs> they've got a Pinterest board, lots of swatches. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. They've had letterheads printed. <laughs> Business cards. Yeah. Uh, it, it is very funny the way that uh, 
Otto is able to kind of capitalise on. Alicent goes to him saying, Viserys said Aegon should be king. This is amazing. This is the, wow, that's what he said and I saw it and, and now we can make it happen. And then at the meeting, Otto's like, so this uh, ties up quite quickly, quite well with our existing plan. <laughs> I feel like this dovetails quite well. Tylan, Tylan Lannister's like, oh, great. So all in line with the plan now. Yeah. <laughs> if you all open your large red lever arch files to page three, uh, we'll start with the... <laughs> the the, the height. Yeah. <laughs> Operation install egg on. Yes, operation, yes. Initiate uh, usurper. Uh, and she kind of she's kind of looking around with with growing like horror and and disgust like just at like oh my god like you guys were just gonna do this anyway like regard like like if she had walked in if she had walked in and said okay well we need to wait for Rhaenyra obviously you know if 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 Viserys had never said that to her and she'd walked in and gone yeah no like obviously Rhaenyra is going to be queen like this all would be happening with or without her you know like it just Mm. Yeah, the, the the depth of the machinery at play that she she just still doesn't realise. Well, her, her difference is that she wants it to be legitimate. She yes, exactly, yeah. Have... She's clinging to this idea that it's not some greasy plough play. Yes. That that, but but again, this is going to be dashed to ribbons as, as soon as she has a conversation with Rhaenyra. Yes. You know, the next item on my list uh, dovetails quite nicely as well. Um, just uh, so, so Alicent is now resorting to selling footpecks. Um <laughs> Which is the second and possibly more like problematic element of this this episode? I'm like, what the hell? When did I? I don't. I, I deeply did not like this. Like, not not that it made me uncomfortable, although it did. But I'm just picturing in my mind's eye, how did this first happen? Do you know what I mean? Like, imagine the conversation. Yeah, of course, of course. Like, I- she's the queen. Yeah, Stu, but. He had already trapped her with the strong death. Right. He had already broken past what she is willing to do. Like she had sort of said, oh, no, I don't want them. And then she realised she was in the shit. So it's been six years since that. No, longer. Six years? Yeah, no, that that, that, that was the 10-year jump. Six-year jump. Six sure. Years. So, so like so at she- some point there was a conversation where he's like where she's like oh what can i ever do to repay you lord Harris? and he's like well i'm quite into feet it's not that obvious it is a slow process of grooming where he because he goes into her, her chambers he seems to have free roam so at some point she's come in and taken off her shoes which i think she did in the first episode i think she actually took off her shoes oh did she yeah cuz he in that first episode princess and the queen the first one where they're grown up and she comes in uh, after a long day. I'm pretty sure she took her shoes off. So I I think that at some point he's gone, um, you know, you have beautiful feet. I like to look at your feet. And and then <laughs> just it's just been dropped. It's just been dropped in conversation and then it's come up again at another point and all of a sudden then he's gone, oh, I've got some information. Um, maybe you should... Stu, you need to go and watch the Sex and the City episode. Sure. Uh, where Charlotte is trying on shoes and ends up getting a free pair because the shoe salesman says, oh, you can have them for free because your feet look tired and maybe could use a little rub. And she's like, oh, okay, and uh, gets free. Anyway, she there's the whole storyline for Charlotte that episode is her having this moral conversation with herself of, <laughs> is it okay for me to accept free shoes if the guy is? <laughs> If the guy's getting off on it. Getting off on 
it's a moral quandary she has. So that that's what made me laugh through this. Uh, like it was, yes, it was. Oh, it's bizarre. It comes. I mean, it just. It was gross and bizarre, but <sighs> hilarious because I was like, why has she taken off her shoes and put her feet there? Like, what's going on? And then he's looked at her again. I went, oh no! And then she's taken off her shoes. <laughs> And I went, oh, no, this is Sex in the City all over again. So I had that frame of reference to you, which you didn't have because you haven't <laughs> sure uh, the greatness that is Sex in the City. And it's good to I've, see. I've not seen that episode of Sex in the City, no. Cycling uh, plot lines from other HBO yeah. I enjoy that. Uh, but, yeah, so that's what made me laugh is that it's just a all of a sudden you're taking your socks off for someone and they're having a quiet. And, and like, he wouldn't have masturbated the first time. He would have just looked. No, and, sure, yeah. And I doubt he's ever touched her because she's the queen, but he looks and it's the whole power in and, and the way she like turned away and he started, you know, fapping and it's like the sound and she turns away and rolls her eyes. And this was the thing about Alison, this, this episode, I had a lot of, uh, I don't know if compassion or empathy is the right word, but I had a lot of, in that, in that scene, right, she walks into mm. her room and I went, oh, she looks like she needs a big old drink. She just walked in. <laughs> this has been a day. She needs a Negroni. And I went, she needs a Negroni. It's Bagliato with Prosecco in it. Indeed. Um, anyway, so I was having this laugh in my head going, God, she needs a big drink. She walks up to a jug, pours herself a big drink. Yeah. So they, they acted that flawlessly because she yes. absolutely looked like a woman who was like, I don't get, oh, my God, this is, you know, I'm doing this thing. I'm trying to be fair and nice. But also, this is a you know terrible Machiavellian plot that I'm engaged in. I need a drink, and then all of a sudden, oh great, I've got to get my toes out for old creepy here. <laughs> you know, I, I thought it was a very darkly humorous scene, like uncomfortable and weird. But I I really loved it. I oh just, right, see, I, see, I didn't I didn't get humor from it. I, I definitely got like the fact that it was meant to be uncomfortable and awkward. Yeah, um, I and, and it was meant to be like a like another commentary on like the various ways in which Alison is not in control of her own like like she she thinks she thinks of herself as being like in control but she's very much not and no. at the mercy of like the men around her. That's right because he's just like, "Hey, if you um, you know, oh, is that the scene where she she yeah, it is the scene where he talks about the spies and the spy yes. Yeah. And that he he has worked out that Otto has he's operating just for her. He's not operating necessarily for the you know the Greens as a whole. He's operating to do stuff for her. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He's offering to take out Otto's spies uh, by the head, which we assume is Masario, um, and Masaria, magical Masaria tour. Mm. Uh, and she's like, oh, so I guess you can do that. And he's like, if you wish it. It will be done. So once again, he's talking about spiders and spies, but he's the big, you know, greatest weaver of them all going, if you want it, it can happen, but it's your decision. You know, yes. it's, so, it's so clever. And I think that's why I hate him so much, but he's becoming, <laughs> he, he's becoming a good character to hate, a love to hate character as just opposed to hate to hate. Like, don't get me wrong. I still loathe him. He's creepy as fuck, but it's, um, it is a masterclass in kind it's, of. He, it's be, he's becoming the character where it's fun when he shows up because he's going to do something crazy and unhinged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, it's going to happen now. Oh, it's going to happen now. I, I don't know. I just, I, I still, I, I'm, I'm wondering, like, what, 
what does it add to the maybe i'm judging too harshly here i don't know yeah like this episode really rubbed me the wrong way for some, for some reason no, like i i I, I, I just think what 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 does it add to the to, like like again like i understand that, it, that it, it's about the power differential and it's another example of how allison is sort of trapped in these prisons of her own making but it's like i i don't understand what it added beyond this weird sexual element well i just think that there's it's interesting how there's all these <sighs> I mean, I don't want to yuck someone else's young, and having foot fetishes is definitely a kink that a lot of people have. Oh no, that's fine. Like, hey, it's, it's a very common fetish, apparently. Like, I, that's that's fine. If, you, if you're into that, go go no, for your life. Like, but but I just mean that it it, it definitely seemed like. But it, it it's more about for me this kind of power corrupting nature to it. This the same way mm. that Egon Egon has gone in his short life from a public, you know, kind of masturbator. To- <laughs> a rapist to now like betting on children fighting like he's just the kind of king of depravity like that's the only yes. way it is kicks and so laris has gone from he's got this weird perversion about having power and control over the queen and he'll never be able to sleep with her but he can kind of degrade her um, yeah in, in yeah this- fair enough yeah that that uh, but she'll keep going back to it because she has now become dependent on his information or his skills. Yeah, but, that's true. And it's all tied up with sex and power and, you know, how people get their get their kicks, uh, which is probably not wise to say given that he has a club foot. Uh, so <laughs> Sure. I mean, look, <laughs> I mean, like there's definitely, like, there's a whole feet theme going on there with him. But, well, you know, he can't kick normally, so he's got to get his kicks some other way. Sure. Eh? Um, <laughs> the, the, the next and final item on my list, just to rapidly move on, is uh, Egon does not want the crown, but Aemond will take it if it's available. He really will. Uh, he really will. Like, there's there's a moment where, like, you know, Egon ha- has that moment of desperation where he's like, listen, I'll just go. I can go to Pentos. I've got money. It's fine. I'll, I'll go away and you can be king, right? Yeah. And you can see for just the briefest flicker of a moment, Aemond actually thinks about it he's like hmm no we probably need to take you back <laughs> like it's great I, I think that that whole quest and the the air the the, the, the twins trying to find uh Aegon and then Aemon and uh, Aemon and um Kristen oh, yeah. uh, who is you know just reaching new heights of dickheadishness uh which is great he's he's become my favorite guy <laughs> that I love to hate in this show how so do you mean that line about the that all women should be treated with reference or something there was a great line where Aemon is talking about how Aegon took him to the brothel for his 13th birthday because, you know. Yeah, like he's just a sanctimonious uh, dickhead and, and like, yeah. he's coming off the back of having just murdered Lord I'm, I'm Covered in Beesbury. Oh, my God. That was on my list. That was on my list. All right. Uh, but, no, that's fine. Let's talk about it now. I can't believe he did that. That was rude. What did poor Sir Lord, Sir Lord, Lord I'm Covered in Beesbury, which... <laughs> I don't know if people are understanding why. <laughs> That's what I put in my recap is uh, in all caps. I'm covered in bees, Bree. He is the nicest man and he gets up and he says, I'm six and 70 years old and I won't stand for this. And I'm like, yeah, you go, Beesbury. And then Kristen just slaps his head into the ball things that they have in mm. front of them for, their, for, for, for being at the table or whatever it is. Uh, that was uncalled for. well he was the only one in the council who was like raising any sort of opposition so they're like well we need to deal with this i mean allison was and harold was looking very concerned 
Well, again, yeah, and and that's the thing. Like the the Harold Westling thing uh, is not in the books, and in fact, Harold Westling by this stage has died off off screen. Oh. Um, so by by this stage, uh, Harold Westling is not a part of the story. So I'll be very interested to see what they're doing there. Well, if Kristen is going to be appointed Lord Commander, then they might kill him off. It just it was very Barristan Selmy the way he unhooked his yes. jacket. Cut jacket. Oh my god! There was definitely that sense of it. Yeah, jacket. Uh, it's like screw you. Until there's a king, I don't follow any of your rules. But yeah, just the way Otto was like, take your men to Dragonstone. Be quick. Be clean. And he's like, fuck you. So mm. I'm swearing a lot this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let me go through my list quickly, and then we can see if there's anything that we forgot. Okay, Rainey's busted in on Dragonback. Indeed, she did. So fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I also wrote, how did she do it? Which we've already sort of addressed by the fact that she was underneath mm. the whole time. Can I just say, I, I love the fact that we, we're we having a reversal here where you're the one who's responding like in a visceral way to this cool action beat. And I'm the one who's sort of sitting back, you know, and sort of being like, I'm um, actually, uh, was that as cool as we thought it was? I feel <laughs> this is a good reversal from our, our usual roles. <laughs> Very much so. I like seeing a badass lady on a badass dragon. I'm not going to hey, lie. Don't we all? I'm willing to overlook some plot inconvenience uh, for that moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I had those questions that we sort of talked about. How did she do it? How did she get there? I had uh, Laris foot fetish. What a creep. Uh, <laughs> which we've talked about. I said, Egon doesn't get it, but then he does. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. He has that moment, quite transformative moment, after he's hailed as the king and he's wearing Egon the Conqueror's crown and he's holding aloft the sword and somehow he seems to meet the moment and he starts, like, punching the sky with the sword, which I thought was yep. a little weird, but okay, fair enough, you've just been made king. But it's because it, he didn't want this and he's never wanted it, but all of a sudden no. he's there and it's happened and it seems to have affected him. Like, he, he seems to have had... A, a transformation in that moment of, oh, wait, I am the king. Now, whether that's for the good or for the bad, it could go either way. It might be a bit of both. But there's definitely that sense now that I could see him going, no, you know what, I will be king. It seems like it might have been a, a new Joffrey Baratheon is born. <laughs> there was well, maybe. I mean, like, he, he he's not a nice guy. No, he's he's. Cruel. And and Alicent says that to him actually. I didn't write this down, but she has a conversation with him on the way to the um to the to the dragon pit that, you know, you can't listen to your grandfather. They, they don't even talk about replacing Otto as hand. It's just assumed that he will continue to be hand. Oh, of course. Uh, like Otto will absolutely continue to be the hand. That's the whole point of this. But she's she doesn't say pick a new hand. She says don't take your grandfather's advice on that issue. You must yeah. not be callous and cruel you must rule wisely. And he's just like an emo kid going, do you love me, mother? (laughs) She gives him the dagger. She gives him the dagger, which I I can't, I've heard some people call it the cat's paw dagger, which is the same one that, um, that uh, Arya stabbed the Night King with in Game of Thrones, but I've also read some people say, no, it's not that one. It's a different one. No, 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 it is. It's meant to be, it's meant to be the same dagger. Oh, is it? Okay. All right. Yeah, so he's going to get that now, which is the the dagger that has the secret message about the Song of Ice and Fire on it. Mm. Uh, And who knows? Except he does not have the context. No. He might get a fire and heat it up one day, but he doesn't know what that means. Uh, And it could go badly because he might think it means him. 
So I thought that was really interesting, the way that they staged it with all the swords and the walking through. I thought that the logistics, the fact that they got, you know, this whole thing happening in 24 hours of Viserys dying, just really good logistics and event management planning in the room. <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. Like they had someone there going, right, we need to rustle up some peasants to come in. Yeah, so somewhere in the background there's a completely uh, frazzled event planner. Yeah, that's right. He's just frantically like gotten everything together. It's now I want swords, people. I want yeah. swords. And you've got to yeah. put them up like a thing and then put them down when he passes. And in an earpiece, just barking orders, going, Barry, <laughs> can the lights follow the swords as he walks to the stage? No, not as he goes away from this, as he walks to the stage. And you, do I have to do this myself? A sword goes up, sword goes down. Sword goes up, sword goes down. Can we get the orange juice out back? Uh, Helena needs <laughs> orange juice. Um, and there was also there was also some lovely lovely sound design in this episode. I thought because there's there's those moments when like he's being anointed and he's just sort of standing there, and there's these you, you get the sense of thousands of people standing in a room, just sort of politely waiting for the next thing to happen you know what yeah. i mean like there's there's like little coughs and things happening yeah, that sort yeah. of echo and yeah little... yeah it was great <laughs> tumbleweed yeah. yeah yeah um i just realized something Stu. i just realized something what's that I'm an idiot the beast there is a beast beneath the boards the beast be- that, that's helena's prediction yes yeah that's yeah. the dragon absolutely i just realized that <laughs> Again. <laughs> she's she's Got a pretty good hit rate with those predictions. Yeah, no, that is because I was going, ooh, and what was the beast beneath the boards? Because I thought that dragon flew in. I don't know. I was like, well, how did it fly in? Because I didn't see it. But, yes, now it all makes sense. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> I just realised. <laughs> yeah, so I, I said something about this episode. Uh, Alison is trying so hard to be nice or to be, like, magnanimous or to, you know, she's she's having this internal push and pull between – I want to be nice. I want to do like the nice thing, but also I need to have some control and I need to make things happen my way. It's a really interesting, and Olivia Cook is doing such a good job of portraying oh, she is. as this sort of harried, uh, you know, she's got kids that are a bit weird and strange and uh, she's trying to keep it all together. And she realizes that she's been being played by her dad and all this stuff. And so I think that's why I mentioned it, but that's when she walks in going, I need a drink. It's like yeah. so obvious. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciated that. And I think that it, it's she's a lovely, flawed character. You know, she's really telling telling it was so heartbreaking when she tell she told uh, Otto that I'm just a chess piece that you moved around the board or just a piece on the board. I don't know if yeah. they have and he said well I made you queen of the seven kingdoms so you know what do you think about that what would you have rather been and she's like how would I know I just did whatever you told me to do how did I know what I wanted to be the great irony of that is that that's exactly what she's doing to Aegon yeah yeah like who who wants no part of this like he would be very happy just watching watching kid fights all day and and fathering bastards in flea bottom oh my god Um, yeah and also, yeah, yeah, uh, that, that's something that that's a little detail that they sort of threw in there. There's apparently more than one uh, Targaryen bastard running around uh, Flea Bottom. Yeah, and we saw his and Helena's kids as well, two little toddlers. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Around, and I, I, it just it made me really freak out because I'm like, so that means Alicent is a grandmother. Yes, she is. Yes, absolutely. And her grandchildren are the incestuous product of her children, mar- like. It just takes a while for me because she's maybe in her late thirties at this point in the in the narrative, uh, you know twenty. Oh, years. I, th- I think she's probably much younger than that. But anyway, 
I figured that she probably had her first kid at like 16, 17 after she married. Yeah, so pro- probably that, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I guess if you do the maths, yeah, she's probably in her 30s, yeah. Um, I was thinking like 37 or 38 or something and then going, so hang on, she's a grandmother and also her grandkids, their parents are her kids. Like that's a weird mind mind fuck, I think. Yes, yeah. Like I had two kids and now they've had two kids. Like, mm-hmm. It's so weird. Anyway, oh, I wrote here they hanged Sir Castle, Caswell, Caswell. Uh, Sir Caswell, yeah, yes, absolutely. So whose name I did remember, which is good, because Otto gathered all the lords who were at court and said, right, bend the knee, new king. Viserys changed his mind. Most of them went, yep, fine, whatever, don't want to die here. And then a few of them went, I will not break faith. I'm not an oath breaker, get stuff. Mm. They got marched out. And then Caswell bent the knee, but then he tried to go get on his horse and leave and they stopped him. And that was really scary. And so when Eric broke Rhaenys out and walked her across the hall, his body is just hanging there in the great hall. Yeah, they've hung him. Yeah. And that was really the probably the creepiest moment for me, or one of the creepiest moments, Laris aside. But it was so, it was like, bang, all of a sudden, body. And, oh, my God, this is a full-on, you know. It's mil- a coup. It, it's, a, it's a coup is what yeah. it is. It's a coup and and people die. Uh, and it's and Otto is not messing about. Uh, so, yeah, that was, and it was, yeah, he was almost out the gate and then he got caught and pulled off this horse. And I was like, oh, no. Because, yeah, how he was going to get a message to Rhaenyra, I don't know. But I thought it was really beautiful that the way that they shot you know, the little boy who obviously was the one who went in, I don't know, maybe to light candles or open curtains or something, and he was the one who checked on the king and came back to tell Talia he died. Hmm. And just the way they followed that news spreading. And and also Laris locked up all the all the um, servants. All the servants so they couldn't, yeah. like, go and tell they someone, yeah. spread the gossip. So they locked everything down really quickly to, to, to stop the spread of news. Uh, so just following that progression from this very quiet pre-dawn, the whole palace is asleep, you know, nothing's happening, and mm. then this 24 hours of kind of news spreading and chaos building and tension and all that stuff. So I thought it was really well paced. Yes, Kristen Cole killed Beesbury, just not fair, but it does, <laughs> it does explain why he was still on the council because I had been wondering why he was still there because he seemed to be a bit old and doddery, and I was like, why haven't they retired him? Oh, they needed to, to kill him off. There's the twins. I mean, I don't know whether you want to get into the twins, Eric I, and Eric. I, I do want to get You, you want to talk about all everyone being called Egon. We, we literally have twin characters who are called... Eric and Eric. Yes, and I'm I'm discussing that in my in my uh, in my recap. I'm calling them just the Ricks. <laughs> the Ricks. I, I, I swear that they, they are just a, a, a troll by by George R R Martin against people who claim that everyone's called the same thing. Yeah, probably. Well, I I last week sort of was quite delighted when one of them pulled Alison aside to tell her about the um the girl that that yes. had attacked, and uh, she's like, "Yes, what is it, Sir Eric?" And he's like, "Oh no, I'm I'm Eric," and I just thought that was a you know, you've pronounced my name incorrectly, but no, it's actually you've mistaken me for the other one. Yes. Yeah. So I only got that this week when I realised, oh, there are two of them. <laughs> oh, that's doubly delightful now, that that gag. Um, so, yeah, so they are great. Are they one actor or is it actual twins? No, 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 they're, they're, they're real-life twins. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. It seemed too good to be true that they were they couldn't be a CGI, one guy being CGI'd. I was <laughs> delighted to find out they're actual twins just because of the way they were shooting things and they were so close together. I was like, when when 
Jason Lannister and Tywin Lannister were doing things, you could kind of see, you know, they had... Yeah, because that's that's one guy. That's one guy yeah. and they're always in different scenes or one of them is walking behind the other one, like Tywin is walking behind Jason and yes. so easy enough to CGI in, you know, the two different ones. But, yeah, this one, like, they're right next to each other, they're talking to each other. I went, they can't be, you know, and they are identical, identical. Like they're They really, really are. They're, <laughs> They're really good identical twins. I mean, yes, I know most identical twins are identical, but some of them are like so identical. Yes, exactly. Down so, to the beards too. I, I love that they've both yeah. got like great big beards. And the center part and the hair pulled back in the pony. All I'm saying is that I am now very happy to be the meat in that particular set. <laughs> <laughs> it's a healthy- you're just, you're just putting that out in the universe? It's a health. Like there is a dearth of like exciting man meat I can really, you know, put my cap at. If, if there's been one flaw in this whole series, it's been mm. I can't really get behind anyone. I mean, Harwin Strong, for sure, I was there, but then he got bumped off. Kristen Cole turned out to be a massive incel, so that's no good. And who else? Matt Damon, uh, it just feels weird. It feels weird. I know a lot of women are all like, oh, my God, I'm obsessed with him, but he's <laughs> – I just can't, I like, it, you know, he's great. Love him as a character, but it, maybe it's the incest thing. I don't know. Hmm. So I was like, okay, these two twins on the on the Kingsguard, let's go. Let's do this. Yeah, it was lovely how one of them knew Aegon better and kept telling the other. But they, they seem to both know him and they seem to kind of be convincing each other almost. But only one of them fought Kristen when they found him in the Sept. That yeah. They found him in the Sept, didn't they? Yes, they did, yeah. yeah. They found him in the Sept underneath the candles. <laughs> which is great. And then they walk outside to find Kristen and Eamon waiting for them and then there's a fight, but only one of the brothers fights to, to help try and keep Aegon because they're trying to get him back to Otto and so Kristen's trying to get him back to, to the Queen. Uh, so, yeah, I was, I, was, um, I was interested in that dynamic of these two brothers kind of going, where do we land on this guy? Because he's a bit of a douche. Uh, and then that leads me into, as well, Masaria, now, am I right in assuming that that's her house on fire? Um, I was confused by that. I didn't know exactly what that meant. So um, I think that that was Masaria's house. Right. I, I think that Laris had told Alicent, I can cut off the, the head of this spy network, which is the yes. white worm, which is Masaria. I can do that if you wish it to be done. The next time you see you see Rainus being led out the back way by Eric or Arik, whichever one it was, and they pass a burning house. And I'm pretty sure that's Masaria's house. Mm. That Damon ended up in back a few episodes ago when he came back to the city and got drunk. After his night out with Rhaenyra, that's where yes. he ended up. So I, I, I think that he's burnt Masaria to then, which is bad news for those poor little kids fighting in Flea Bottom because she actually went yeah. with them for them. That was her. That was her whole like price was hey maybe maybe stop the child fights. Yeah, stop the child fights. It's not very civilized and it's mean. And you're just gold cloaks are just turning a blind eye mm. and making bets and making money out of it. Not cool, dude. And now Otto obviously doesn't have to worry about the child fights. There we go. Bastard. <laughs> so that was uh, that was my list basically. Absolutely, and that was a, and that's basically the episode. It was a hell of an episode. It was, and all you know, contained, so it it hasn't had the sprawling. Uh, not that this series has at all had massive sprawling kind of stuff, but um, just all in. I mean, mostly in the in the Red Keep, and the Dragon Pit, bit of Flea Bottom, <laughs> and the Dragon Pit. So, 
Yeah, um, I would ask you about what your predictions are for next week, but it's probably silly, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's hard. To, it's hard to say because I know what's going to happen next week. Okay. Well, I am guessing that uh, we're going to see a lot of the blacks. A very, very, uh, very sophisticated guess there on my part. That, that much is not a spoiler. We 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 spent uh, <laughs> there. We spent all all our time with the greens this this episode, and next week is very much uh, the blacks. The, the episode title is the Black Queen. The Black Queen. Ooh. So yes. Um, I am assuming we'll get some dragon action because it's the last episode. I think they're going to give us some hot dragon action, some hot I D. I think there will be some dragon action in this one, yeah. yes. Give us a, a big load of hot D. Just Indeed. <laughs> uh, and apart from that, I'm hoping for maybe an Alicent and Rhaenyra confrontation of sorts, some sort of, yeah, it'll be good. I can't believe we're almost at the end. We're almost at the end. It's it's insane. One more episode. One more episode. And then, unfortunately, apparently, a two year wait uh, because we we can't have nice things nowadays, and it takes two years to make a show. Look, that makes sense if they just start production. You know, start of next year or something. End of this year, start of next year. It'll probably come. Oh gosh, I, I reckon it'll probably come. I forward. guess. And yet they used to they used to do they used to do ten episodes of Game of Thrones every year. I'm not sure yeah. what. But think of all the CGI and all the freaking dragon stuff they've got to put in That's there. That's true. That's true. They and just seem to be taking longer and longer to make shows nowadays, and I don't know why. Uh, I think everything's just harder for people. Just everything. <laughs> Gestures at everything. Gesture at everything. Like supply yeah. chain issues and everything seems so hard to turn around. Like you can't turn around anything quickly anymore. Everything's no, exactly. Everything takes a little bit more effort. Time and checking boxes and filling in forms in triplicate and indeed yeah it is it is bizarre though to think that like as we said oh actually this this reminds me I, I need to do a my hot ring oh my um, god but uh, but just quickly like it, it it does seem insane to me that Rings of Power started after House of the Dragon started and it wrapped up this week last week rather sort of two episodes ahead of of house of the dragon it just seems bizarre i'm not sure i'm not sure why that seems so strange but it just you know well is very, it, it's very weird is that we're getting a new series of that like next year or well no and, and that's another one where we're probably gonna have to wait you know we're, we're not getting it next year we'll probably get it the year after um whether anyone will be watching by that stage i'll be very interested to see because uh my i, I guess we can get into my hot yeah, ring take unless there was anything else you wanted to no no talk about in hot d Let's let's quickly go to um oh we need a theme song just for the one. We'll, we'll quickly dive into Stew's hot ring. Stew's hot ring. Stew's hot ring. It's a fancy thing. Stew's hot ring. <laughs> that that is work. that is what it deserves. I'll work um, <laughs> but um yeah, so obviously we had the season finale of the Rings of Power, which I uh, liked a lot of, but also left me deeply deeply frustrated uh, at the overall shape of this season of the show. I feel like uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Obviously, you haven't watched it, Natalie, but um, I'm, I'm... And I, I, I just like to say that I, I was uh, in in a chat, and yes. when I say I was in a chat, I was observing a chat between Stu and friend of the pod Eloise. Indeed, is also some sort of Lord of the Rings savant, you know, with an encyclopedic uh, knowledge of all of these strange names with the multiple apostrophes and whatnot. <laughs> um, and she at one point apologised and said, oh, sorry, Nat, we're probably spoiling this for you. And I, I said, Eloise, I don't understand. <laughs> Eloise, I don't care. <laughs> even if I, even if, if, leaving out care or not, I care that people like the things. I, I like when people like the things. You know, I care that they're disappointed by stuff. Totally. But she may as well have been writing in Arabic or another, like any other language other than English. 
I did not understand 50, 60% of what you guys were talking about. It was like, oh. And then the Noglars of the Wokdu town enjoyed a flopping (laughs) procession up the Flickadoo and I'd be like, yeah, that makes total sense. Like I I do not. You cannot spoil for me what I do not understand. Fair enough. Well, so I'll just, I'll just you, you then tell say, people, tell the people if they if they're watching and they don't want to be spoiled, I'm sure they can skip ahead a couple of minutes. But you know, if absolutely, they're- just skip ahead briefly. I'll, I'll quickly. I won't go into too many spoilery stuff. But basically, there's there's been a whole thing this this season um, with a mystery over who is Sauron. Basically, so Sauron obviously is was the the main villain of, of Lord of the Rings, yeah. and he sort of mostly appears as like a shadowy eye at Is the top of the tower. Yeah, I didn't think it, I didn't think Sauron was a person. I just thought he was like a benevolent, you know. A, well, monster. he's the Dark Lord, but I mean, like he's embodied in those movies by you know he's just a giant flaming eye at that at that point. Yeah. Um. But like you know, back back in the Second Age, he was a, a dude and like was a, a powerful uh, necromancer, and like you know, obviously was one of uh, Morgoth's chief like lieutenants and was his right-hand man basically. And, and after Morgoth was defeated, uh, Sauron was, you know, kind of left to wander middle earth a bit. And basically the, the premise of the show of rings of power was that, you know, Galadriel had spent all this time hunting for Sauron and was basically told by everyone that, Oh no, no, he must've, he must be dead by now. So you're all good. And she's like, I don't know. I think he's probably still alive. And then the the conceit of the show was, well, maybe Sauron's hiding in plain sight somewhere. Like maybe one of these characters that we've already met is Sauron. Except it was extremely obvious that one of the characters was very obviously a candidate to be Sauron. And one of the other characters was extremely obviously a red herring and was instead very obviously a different character. Is this... Um, one that I guessed. Yeah, so so this is this is the stranger is is yeah. Gandalf. Like, like and, and was very obviously Gandalf to, and was so obviously Gandalf. This is the thing. I just want to say I, I was a genius because they the as I said, Eloise and Stu are going through this chat talking about, oh, I'm the stranger when it turned out to be that person. Okay. My Lord of the Rings knowledge is, you know, I saw the movies, I don't think I've seen them again. I saw the first Hobbit movie. I read The Hobbit as a kid. That's the extent of my Lord of the Rings knowledge, right? So I have a very limited idea of what characters exist in that universe. So Stu and Eloise are talking about, oh, and The Stranger, and it was, you know, it was almost insulting that they tried to make us think it was Sauron when it was quite obviously someone else. So I say, was it Gandalf? (laughs) Kind of as a joke, but also because it's really the only person I could think of. If you, I mean, exactly, and that's the thing. Like, you know, there's really only one person that could be, and it's Gandalf. And she went, yes, it was Gandalf. And I went, I'm a genius. I'm a genius. You are, you are. So there's something about knowing less about the source material. When you have so many candidates of who it could be, it might distill it. But you're saying you're saying it didn't even do that. You're saying it was just... Well, this is the thing. Like, so I'm I'm reacting as someone who is, you know, has a deep and abiding love of, of the of the the legendarium. And I, I mean, like, I'm right, a giant right. nerd. I admit that. I, I know I, I host a Game of Thrones podcast. But you yeah, know, like, come on, Stu. Game of Thrones is cool. Like, sure, exactly. Yes, exactly right. Well, and that's that's the thing. It's what I find really fascinating is that you're working. You you have two shows, and and Game of Thrones and Rings of Power have both been held up and compared to each other. And you know, rightly or wrongly, like like people have said, well, they can both exist. But I think it's actually really interesting to look at the similarities and the differences between them because they're both shows. They're both fantasy shows that are working off a source text that is 
basically like a very patchy history. Like obviously Fire and Blood was the source material for uh, House of the Dragon, which was a pseudo like historical nonfiction book, basically. Like it wasn't a novel. It was like a history book. And by the same token, Rings of Power is based off the appendices to the Lord of the Rings. So like the Cliff Notes version of what happened in the first and second ages, you know, just a very loose outline, basically, like like really going over the broad, you know, history points. And so they're both kind of working to fill in the gaps. And I felt, I think it's really interesting that what, what House of the Dragon has done is to give everything a very propulsive sense of forward momentum by doing these time jumps. They could have very easily, there, there is a universe where they spent a whole season just with teenage Rhaenyra and Alicent. Yeah. You know, doing their thing. And some people suggested that they should have done. And I think Rings of Power shows why they were absolutely right not to. And just to to get to the get to the core, well, while never losing sight of what the core of the story is. Because in Rings of Power, they spend so much time, as I said last week, they spend so much time with all this Southland stuff that ends up not mattering because everyone dies or, or is displaced and Mordor is created. And it's like, well... That was fun. I'm glad we spent all the time there. Um, instead, <laughs> in this episode, in the last episode, in episode eight of an eight-episode series that cost nearly a billion dollars, we finally get around to forging the rings of power that are in the title. We got there. Um, they got there. They they forged three rings, and they're it's in the wrong order. Um, and and in a way that kind of kind of like thematically doesn't work, but. They get there, like they forge some rings of power and Sauron is revealed and it's absolutely the guy you thought it was. And Galadriel seems very silly to have not picked up on that. Um, and oh, so it just Sauron. is very disappointing. So and it, was, it wasn't Gandalf. Gandalf wasn't no, so Gandalf. it wasn't Gandalf. Gandalf's Gandalf. Um, they, 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 they try to do a fake out where some people, some evil wizards or evil, evil acolytes sort of say to the stranger you are sauron they, they they think that he's sauron um but it's not he's he's gandalf it, um, you know so that that becomes very uh, obvious uh in in one in one case he says like he literally says i am good uh <laughs> at one point in what in a moment that caused me to laugh out loud and i do not think it was meant to be played for comedy was it was um, it like a you shall not pass kind of thing it kind of was. It was meant to sort of evoke that thing, except the line was literally, I am good, like he was a Care Bear. Um, so I just think, like, there's so much missed opportunity with this show. And again, like, it, it's like, you know, this is this is what we're getting uh, for the time being. Like, like the, it, it basically, if you, if you mess this up, it poisons the well for a generation. Like, we had the Lord of the Rings films, and they're untouchable masterpieces. They really are. They're, they're, they're given everything that happened. They're not perfect adaptations, but they're pretty bloody good. Um, and then you have the Hobbits, which are not great, um, you know, for various reasons. And now we have this, which is not great for various reasons. And it just seems like they just, they, they got it right that one time. Yeah. It was and a- they, they, they haven't been able to recapture the magic since, uh, which in a way is very Tolkien-esque. 
Um, so maybe it's very, maybe it's very appropriate and very apropos. But um, could you say, um, could you assess it as going? Could you see why they did what they did? Even more I really? definitely, I definitely see why they did what they did. But but my that they built a season around a mystery box that didn't need to happen. That they decided to make the who is Sauron question a key part of the episode of the uh, of the season. And I just feel like they instead we should have known from from episode one who Sauron was and the dramatic tension of us knowing but the characters in the show not knowing would have been more than enough of a dramatic engine, I think, to drive the show forward where you know who Sauron is and you're, you're constantly wondering if this is the episode where Galadriel finally figures it out or, you know, like, like, I feel like that could have been a much more so satisfying more, way that doesn't require the, the characters to be complete idiots. Like more Columbo style. You know, we know who's Sure, yeah. Well we know we know who the killer is, but you know, we're waiting for the for the people to figure it out. Yeah. Um You know, instead instead of adopting this like mystery box, like and again, it's it's this thing where and and to and to to service that they have to build in all of these red herrings and and, and detours. Like this entire this entire storyline with the Southlands basically operates as a giant red herring, you know, with a character there that that could have been Sauron, but turns out was not Sauron, and and it's just so exhausting. It's exhausting, Natalie, and it, it and and to top it off, like every episode, like I am gripped by every episode of House of the Dragon, but there are moments during episodes of Rings of Power where I am checked out, and I am. One thousand percent, the absolute target audience for this show. Yeah, like there is no way. Like I am it, and <laughs> I am I am bored by certain parts of this show, and it looks amazing, but it's just deeply boring and vaguely amateurish, and it's it's such a disappointment. I'm I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It, it, there are people out there who seem to have had a great time with it, and that's great. I'm, I'm really happy for them. And again, as as regular listeners will know, I don't mean that facetiously. If you're getting some joy out of this. Then that's wonderful. You get your joy where you can. Yes. But I just, I just, I can clearly see like a better show hiding underneath this very mediocre one we were given, and it makes me so, sad. So this is my my question for you on that. Do you think it was a case of uh, they had writers who maybe didn't know the world or knew it maybe too much and tried to have their cake and eat it too, or do you think that maybe it was a case of the studios, sort of the up tops going, no, you can't reveal the big mystery of Sauron straight away. You mm. need to kind of keep people tuning in week by week. So, you know, unfurl it, you know, drop some Hansel and Gretel breadcrumbs and lead them into the forest kind of thing. Well, I don't think, I, I think it was, I think it was the showrunners making that decision. I don't think it was necessarily, um, you know, anyone higher up the chain. I, I think it was just the showrunners decided that was the most dramatically interesting way to do it. And I disagree, but then I'm not a, I'm not a professional TV writer, I just consume a lot of this media. So I don't know. I, I just feel like, I, I feel like in general, they, 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 I mean, I know for a fact, like they planned, they, they have five seasons planned. Wow. So there is a sense that perhaps they're trying to stretch out as much as they possibly can. And if they had gotten to what happens in episode eight, you know, earlier, uh, you know, there there wouldn't be enough for five seasons of show, but but it it comes back to this 
broader problem with a lot of these shows that are made specifically for streaming that don't have to rely on, uh, you know, broadcast sort of the, the idea of like broadcast television where every episode has to count and act as its own thing, where they are telling basically a five season long movie and this was the prologue. Mm. And it's like, it's deeply unsatisfying to sort of watch a season of television and be like, okay, so I've just watched eight, like more more than eight hours of of beautiful but boring television and now like now the story gets going I guess like well it's interesting I mean because Lord of the Rings they're the big thick books okay sure they certainly are yes I am very upfront that I looked at them and went I it doesn't appeal you know couldn't couldn't get into them they're big thick books it strikes me that you could make a series out of each book of Lord of the Rings but they chose to make movies so they chose yes. to streamline them but there's probably a much more well given that it's the full book and it's a full plot you could probably extend them out and you could have you know fellowship of the ring would be one series and then you could make a three series arc well but- absolutely i mean there were all sorts of pitches this is the thing like like we know that this was the pitch they chose that that um amazon sort of green lit but that they had other pitches like at one stage they were developing an aragorn tv show so they were going to you know, follow Aragorn and his travels, you know, a strider around Middle Earth. Um, and, and that would have been made up from whole cloth. Like there's there's very little material to go on there. So it would have just been completely like invented. And maybe maybe that would have been good. I don't, I'm not sure. But Well, there wouldn't you know, have been uh, the um, expectations. It would have just been, hey, here's Aragorn running around. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So in many ways it would have been lower stakes. Yes. Um, but, you know, and, the, and, and there were a couple of others, a couple of other ideas that, that were sort of out there. But this is the one they went with, where they they were like, well, let's let's tell the story of the forging of the rings of power, um, which is itself like the, the great story of the second age of Middle Earth, um, and I, I I think they they chose the wrong way in is my is my thinking. Like I just I just feel like this whole season with all its misdirects and its puzzle boxes, like it was the wrong way to go about it. It feels like it wasn't particularly satisfying to me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they take some of those criticisms on board, because I'm, I'm definitely not the only one making that criticism. Like lots of people have pointed out that this was a deeply unsatisfying season of television. Um, you know, so whether, whether they take that criticism on board or not um, and do a bit of course correction for season two remains to be seen and whether anyone will show up to watch it uh, also remains to be seen because there's, like it's a long wait uh, to to get to get more. Maybe in two years' time we'll be ready for some more of this. I'm not sure. Mm. Well, we'll certainly be ready for more hot D. Indeed, maybe. we will. We're always ready for more hot D. I mean, maybe it'll be. Hopefully, it will be then at the start of because this started August. So maybe it will be ready in time for a March April 2024. God, that feels like a long way away. That it feels does. Like such a long way away. Ah. Oh. What am I going to do, Stu? I need more things to get into. <laughs> There's always something, Natalie. There's always Feel something. Feel free to send us your recommendations uh, for content that we can progress through the podcast. <laughs> uh, I can't quite believe it's over. It's all like it's been, you know, it feels like it's been going on for an amazingly long amount of time. It also feels well, like it started. It's that crazy thing. It's not, it's not over yet. It's There's one more episode. 
There is one more to go. It's uh, it's, it's a bit nuts. It's a bit nuts. Uh, so we will return. Oh, I should say if you couple of plugs from me. If you are in Brisbane, I'm doing a little show as part of Fringe Brisbane called The Great Grandiosa Bamboozle. The Great Grandiosa is a character I do who's a very dodgy psychic. Uh, so, yes, it's basically a variety night. I have magicians and a stuntman in the show and basically they're providing the actual magic and I'm doing the dodgy psychic stuff. Um, it's very fun. It's at the Brisbane Arts Theatre, sort of Halloween-themed Sunday the 23rd, Sunday the 30th of October and then Sunday the 6th of November. At 6pm you can go to fringebrisbane.com or um, actreact.com.au, which is my website, and uh, follow the links and it would be awesome if you're in Brisbane and you want to come. So plug, plug, plug. And if you have been following the recaps in the podcast and you'd like to throw in to my Patreon, now is a great time before the final week and then at the end of October I'll I'll get some uh, some moolah from that. So you can go to patreon.com slash girlclumsy. As always, thank you to my uh, patrons for their wonderful, wonderful support over the, the course of uh, this last couple of years, particularly the last few months with Hut D. Um, you are the the wind beneath my wings uh, in every way possible, in like, in like the positive way, not like a bodily emission kind of way. Unless that's what you want. Unless that's your, you know, unless that's your kink, Lara's style. No shame from me. Uh, <laughs> if you would like to call in, which I encourage, I just that that ring that sounded before in the background that was uh, Greg from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast calling in, saying uh, another great episode, very nuanced. Um, so that was that call in. But yes, if you want to call in via Twitter, I'm at Girl Clumsy. Stu is at Disco Stu. Uh, you can find us there and do call in. We love hearing from people. Uh, facebook.com slash natalie's throne is the facebook page and of course if you want to read the recaps which i keep forgetting to plug but they're nataliebohensky.com bohensky is spelled b-o-c-h-e-n-s-k-i.com and you can find all of the recaps there it has been another wonderful podcast Stu. thank you so much thank Uh, you natalie it was a pleasure it has been a great episode to recap and i'm looking forward to next week even more but until then as we always like to say, Valamogulus. The dragons will dance. <laughs>